0: Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor, and this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana, over the past week, and we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers, as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The first question we have for class today is from a student asking about how to do nitrogen balance. So nitrogen balance is a domain one topic, and I find that it's an equation that a lot of people forget about. And if you've taken any of my situational practice question classes, you know i love to ask about nitrogen balance. Because if you do not know the equation, it's really, really hard to answer it. And when you're thinking about the equation, you don't want to just know the equation, but you want to understand why it makes sense. So when we're thinking about nitrogen balance, where we're using this is we're using it to see if our body is in a catabolic or anabolic state. Because with nitrogen balance, we are looking at comparing grams of nitrogen in versus grams of nitrogen out. So our equation is going to reflect that. So when we're thinking about grams of nitrogen in, I'm gonna be taking how many grams of protein I'm eating and dividing that by 6.25. And I'm not just dividing it by 6.25 because it's a random number. I'm dividing it by 6.25 because it takes 6.25 grams of protein to get one gram of nitrogen. So that first half of the equation is my in. And then I'm subtracting from that my nitrogen out. So they're always going to tell you your urinary nitrogen, always in the equation. And then you're taking that and adding plus four, because what we're thinking is like, we probably measured most of it in the urine, but probably plus four grams, you know, we lost that we couldn't couldn't measure. So your right-hand side of the equation is going to be your urinary nitrogen plus four. And then we're comparing them. So we're doing in minus out. If you have more, if you're eating more nitrogen than is coming out, that means you're anabolic. That means you're in a positive nitrogen balance. This is going to be in states of growth like pregnancy or pediatrics. If you are having more pro, more protein and you know in the form of nitrogen be released from your body than you're taking, this means you're catabolic, and when you're catabolic, right, you're breaking down a lot of protein. So I always like to kind of think about cats catabolic, knock things down. Cats knock things down. I know all my cat lovers will know will know that. Um, and then when you're thinking about anabolic, think anabilds, anabolic is synthesis. So again, when we're thinking about that nitrogen balance equation, grams of protein in divided by 6.25 minus our urine nitrogen plus four. So here's the student's question. So in the question, it says a patient on a counter count consumes 64 grams of protein, their total urinary nitrogen was 7 grams, calculate their nitrogen balance and what this is indicative of. And you're going to find a lot of the time, too, on the exam, they might not necessarily say, like, well, what's the number for my nitrogen balance? But they might give you something like this and say, you know, this nitrogen balance shows that the patient likely has which, you know, disease state or, you know, is it catabolic or anabolic? So, it's important to know the whole picture. And that's one thing that you guys will find as you listen to the podcast and as you take any of my classes, where I want you to understand the, the why because it's going to help with your recall. So, let's set up our equation here. So, we have our in, 65 grams of protein divided by 6.25. So, when I'm thinking about nitrogen in, I have 10.4 grams of nitrogen in. And then for nitrogen out, it's going to be seven grams from our urine nitrogen plus those four extra grams that we said they probably are coming out. So then I do ten point four minus my eleven grams that is coming out, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna be getting negative point six, um, negative point six grams. So this one, this patient is in a slight state of catabolism, what would help to fix this is to eat more, to eat more protein. So definitely a good one, a good one to go over. Next one is less of a question and more of a study tip Um, because with working with students in my groups and one-on-one, I know that you guys hate government agencies and it can be super duper, um, super duper confusing which government agency does what And remember when you're kind of getting bored in the RD exam, same material, there's a lot of different like documentaries and shows that cover a lot of what we're covering in class. And sometimes it's just, you know, fun and nice to kind of get out of like RD exam world and, you know, watch a show on YouTube, Netflix, and, you know, sometimes that helps things click some more. Um, so I want to give you guys this week two shows I would watch if government agencies are a little bit tricky for you. The first one, it's on Netflix, and this is it's a documentary called Poisoned. It does a really good job about talking about which government agencies are, you know, in charge of regulating me and a lot of the produce, too. And they have lots of great graphics. I like that one a lot. Is it maybe going to make you a little scared? To, about our food supply? Yes, but we as future dietitians and dietitians, we should we should know these things. Um, and then the other one is on the show last week tonight with John Oliver. It's season 10, episode 13 from October 15th, 2023, called Food Safety. Um, and this one's nice. It's like a 20-minute short one. And it also talks about all the issues with like FDA versus USDA, who does what, So just two tips, especially if you want like a steady break, quote unquote, that, you know, is still going to help you learn. Um, You can definitely jump out of there too. Okay, next one we have is from a student saying, consider the following scenario. 52-year-old male, weight 163 pounds, height 5'11", BMI 22.7, current meds met glucadrol, lab results, A1c of 13.9, fasting blood glucose of 356. The physician puts in a referral that states patient needs diet instruction. Which of the following would be the best actions for the RD to take? A. Educate the patient about low carbohydrate foods to minimize glucose elevation. B. Contact the referring physician to consider insulin therapy. C. Emphasize meal spacing and carbohydrate consistency. D. Negotiate a weight loss of 5 to 7%. And with this one, the student was saying that she initially answered A, which was to provide that low carb education, but she was confused why the answer from wherever this question was from, was be of contact, the physician. And this is a type of question that's a really great one, and I'm glad when you guys ask these type of questions on the page because they're confusing, and you want to focus on the CDR answer versus, like, what you would do in your real life, right? Like, if this is my real life, I'm probably, right, I'm doing the diet ed that, you know, and as I was consulted for. But a lot of the time, and there's a question I like to ask on one of my practice exams that's like kind of similar, but it's like a sleep apnea picture, where with this patient, their blood sugars are very, very high, right? For a fasting right of 356 and for them to already be on metformin, they're BMI is within normal range. This is very concerning blood sugar picture. So you know what I would say here is the reason why we're thinking more consult the referring physician for immunotherapy is because us saying hey eat low carb is not necessarily going to fix the main the main issue here. Um Another option could be, like, contact the referring physician for an endocrinology consult. Like, this patient probably has diabetes, right? Whether it be type 1 or type 2. Well, actually, he's 52, so probably probably type 2. But this patient has very likely, right, diabetes and needs something to mitigate that where... Just having a low-carb diet, if you're having a fasting blood sugar, that's almost 400, having a low-carb diet isn't going to fix that. That's an additional issue. So with the M&T, we want to think about, like, what's a great first step. It doesn't mean that you're saying, well, don't give the diet ed, but it's saying, well, what would be, like, a, you know, a really important first step there. Okay, next one we got math. So we have in a hospital with 300 patients, it takes 14 minutes to prepare one meal. How many FTEs do we, are needed per meal? And with the math, you guys hear me say it every time, but we have to say it every time, keep your units tight and get it right. With the math, you want to remember, you know, of course, keep your units tight and get it right, but stay organized because that's the number one mistake people make is they get really lost in the math. So, Whenever we're having something where it's asking me about patient meals, remember, do not starve your patients. If I have 300 patients, I gotta feed them three times a day, right? I'm feeding them every day in this week. So right away, I'm thinking, okay, well, 300 patients times, feeding them three times a day, times seven days a week, because I'm not gonna starve them. That's 6,300 meals. And then we're saying, Every meal takes 14 minutes. So times 14 minutes per meal, that's going to give me 88,200 minutes. And this is FTE, so I want to get back down to hours. So divide that by 60 minutes per hour. That's telling me that there's 1,470 hours of work and with fte i want to take the amount of hours of work i have divided by my ftes my fte standard which is dependent on the time frame here it's a week so divide my 1470 divided by 40 and that's going to give me 36.75 and one of um one of the um one of the answers is 30 is 37 there. Okay. Next one is what is the child and adult care food program? This is also abbreviated as C A C F P. And remember, with with the program, one of the things we want to make sure or we're doing with the community programs is to make sure that you know the abbreviation with the full name because if on the exam it said what is the C-A-F- sorry C-A-C-F-P you're going to be like who what where so make sure when you're saying them you're putting the abbreviation and the full name that's just going to help your recall be there a little bit more. And what this is is this is going to be a community program where it's going to help to sub. It's a government program that helps to subsidize meals at like adult daycare facilities, child daycare facilities too. And so, if they're ser- part of this program and serving the meals, they're going to be getting they're going to be getting a kick, a kickback there. So it's a way for you know different community programs. To receive subsidized meals, so like this is something that a lot of daycares um, will fall into, but they do have to follow um, certain nutrition guidelines. Um, there too, very similar to like the school, how the school meals have guidelines as well. Okay, next one we have: you're doing a reassessment on a patient who recently transferred from the ICU your med surge floor, which section of your A-dime note should you document the calories protein provided by their current TPN order. So with this, this is nutrition care process. And for whatever reason, increasingly, I've had a lot of people who've been coming with getting a lot of nutrition care process questions wrong. And remember when we're thinking about A-dime, my first section is my assessment, and this is where the meat and potatoes is. This is my favorite thing of my job, uh, in my oncology plan, where I'm like, Oh, the detective, what's going on with my patient? So, this is where I'm doing all of like my math, this is where I'm doing my comparative standards, this is where I'm talking with the patient, I'm doing the medical review, I'm doing all of I'm doing all of these different things there, but my diagnosis is only the PS statement. And I'm gathering all what I want to put in the PS statement from the assessment. So it's like, well, how do I know it's, you know, unintentional weight loss related to inadequate intake as evidenced by 13% weight loss? Well, I grabbed all that from the assessment. Then my intervention is, well, what am I doing about my diagnosis? And then my monitoring and evaluating is how I'm going to kind of track it and when should I reevaluate someone? So on this one, it's saying, well, which section of my a should I document calories and protein provided by their current TPN order? That's going to be in the assessment because it's like, well, what are they currently getting? My intervention would be then the new TPN order, or it could be like provide the same TPN. Next one is one from me. How how much free water is in 1.5? liters of enteral feeding that has 1.5 calories per cc right so I'm thinking okay well it's telling me here that every calorie right every um not calorie cc which is cubic centimeter same thing as milliliters is going to be 1.5 calories so how many milliliters is in 1.5 liters. Well, that's going to be 1,500 milliliters. So this one, if I was being asked for calories, I would do 1,500 times 1.5, which would be 2,250. But this one's saying how much free water. So with my free water, remember there's different ranges for different tube feeds. And what you want to know for the exam is the um, common... Concentrations for 1.5, 1, and 2 calorie per milliliter. So 1.5 calorie per milliliter formula is about 75% free water, which would be your answer to this one, right? So we have 1,500 milliliters times times 0.75. So I'm looking for an answer if this was multiple choice of one that is around 1125 milliliters. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, DanaJFNutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes, as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.